Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? As always, a very exhausted, emotionally drained Garrett Zatlin after the Steelers decided to torture and dangle a potential win in front of me for what was two to three quarters too long. Uh, missed field goals, blocked field goals. I They should never have won that game. And yet I feel like I got away with murder. And um, it's just, it, it, this is going to be the entire season. And this is how every podcast is now going to start from now on. I feel bad. It was a great like return of the NFL Sunday because just watching one kicker after another miss game winning kick after game winning kick was just hilarious way to start the season. Ho- hopefully we don't see any more like that or else you, you will die probably by week three. Uh, it, yeah. And it doesn't also help that TJ Watt is probably done for the season. Yeah. Najee Harris is like, uh, no, it's like a flesh wound. And he's like broken his ankle or something like that. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I it, it's just all very frustrating. Najee Harris of my fantasy football team, who I desperately need to be healthy. So the the I just saw a report that said he should be good to go for week two, and I am praying that is correct. I just find that very hard to believe. I do too, like, but um, yeah, okay. Blind hope. Just wanted to throw that out there. But we do have good news, and it's if you haven't heard of last week's episode, um, it's that we are now uh, partnering with BioSteel. Right, if you want to use TSR. Uh, 30 that code tsr30 at checkout you get 30 percent off you get to help us support the site and it's also a really good product and you get it for a really good discount so go to uh, biosteel.com get a lot of your uh, hydration supplements get your uh, you know protein powder whatever it may be Um, thank you for partnering with us biosteel super appreciate it and also we've had some challenges with Apple Podcasts as of late, Ben and I just had a very uh, interesting moment before this started. If you're having trouble trying to get our episode on Apple Podcasts, unfollow us or slash unsubscribe on Apple Podcasts and then resubscribe, refollow. That might help. That helped for me try updating your app, a few different things. It's apparently there and no one told me. So um, I, I guess we'll have to figure it out, but just throwing that out there. The important part of that is resubscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. And I'm not going to knock the audience for not leaving us an Apple rating this week because, I mean, there there are some technical difficulties. But we did get two on Spotify. So I I think we we can call it a win for the week. Yeah, I was very frustrated. We did the exact same process. And Apple's like, we're just going to ruin your day. And then that's (laughs) kind of how, how that week went. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully this episode's just as efe- uh, efficient and effective on all the platforms, but um, who knows? Because, you know, life likes to play tricky games on us. But we've got results to actually review. Um, and I think what we're going to do is overreact to them. That's going to be the title of this episode. So let's lay it out here. We've got, what, we got five? We got five Rust Busters. Yep. And... There's some decent names, some decent starts to the season. None that will truly determine anything moving forward, but enough where we think, oh, we might be able to get away with a few overreactions here. So what's going to happen is that we're going to recap five races, five Rust Busters that we thought were notable. And in these five Rust Busters, when we're analyzing them, we're also going to offer two each overreactions about these uh races and i ben kind of had a minor panic attack 
when I told him that we should do this. But he's a trooper. He's playing along, and we're just going to see how this works and how absurd it gets. I initially thought Garrett meant two per race, and I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. But we're going to weave them in. Um, I don't know. We'll see if we, we have the same overreactions. Um, but we're going to start with the first race um, is going to be Harry Groves Spike Shoe Invitational. Um, on the women's side, we saw Syracuse take the win pretty easily over Penn State. Um, we saw Savannah Rourke, uh, Sage Brooks, and Eleanor Lawler go one, two, three pretty easily. Uh, and then on the men's side, similar story. Syracuse wins over Butler and Penn. Uh, Nathan Henderson and Nathan Lawler go one, two. What Maybe broad reactions to this before we get into either of our overreactions for this race. Yeah, I mean, just encouraging stuff from Syracuse, but they do this all the time, right? Um, I don't even think that this is something that we would even look at if we were, you know, doing like a, I don't know, like a like a preseason rankings article. But yeah, listen, th- this is exactly kind of the team that we thought about. There's a lot of unknowns here, right? There's a lot of unknown scoring potency, middle lineup scores, what their depth is going to look like. They're still really young. Some of these women are inexperienced. And I like Savannah Rourke a lot. Like she was a phenomenal recruit. Um, and they've got a lot of good like back-end middle lineup veterans as well, Eleanor Lawler being one of them. But but it's still way too early to tell. Um, you know, there are pieces there, but Syracuse has done this thing for the past four years where they've been like, we're good. I'm like, well, surely they'll make the national meet, and then they don't. Um, now, I think they made the national meet last year, but they did fade a bit, if I remember correctly. So hard to gauge. I think the upside with this team is is nice. But I, I just trying to figure out what they look like in some larger fields is, is tough to know. Yeah, I, I agree. On the on the women's side, it's hard to to see like to set the bar with this result because unlike on the men's side where you have a few like star individuals or really proven individuals that you can kind of measure um, off of, you, you don't necessarily have that with the with the women's race. Um, I mean, it looks good. I mean, to have that many women within the top ten. You have a few underclassmen in there, a few uh, upperclassmen, a nice balance there. Um, so you could definitely see the potential in Syracuse as they progress. But I, I just don't think this race really gave us anything on the women's side. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get why people like Syracuse. They were actually pretty decent last, like throughout most of last year. But, you know, you get to certain races and they just don't really always put it together in the postseason. Um I think long-term this can actually be a pretty decent team, but they've got to get over like a few postseason bumps. And um, again, I just don't know if that's something that you take away from this race. So is what it is. Now on the men's side, I, I think this, we saw, we learned a lot more about Syracuse and dare I say, I am ready to overreact on the men's oh, okay. side here. And the, the only reason I feel comfortable doing it is Syracuse put, three guys uh in the top four uh jesse hamlin was third and barry Keane was fourth i i just think that syracuse putting that many guys ahead of barry Keane makes me feel pretty good about them i mean who knows how like where everybody is in their fitness how their training's going all those things that you need to say but i really like this front group of syracuse i think they have enough depth behind them and I, I'm willing to overreact and say that they're going to be a top 25 team by the end of the year. And I, I understand that. I think Syracuse will always do something where they'll like not be great at Nuttycomb. They'll be like outside the top 20. 
and then they'll win the ACC title, right? right. Like you have no idea what you're ever going to get from this team. Historically, this team has great depth. It looks like they have great depth. Mm-hmm. And I like Nathan Henderson a lot. Why? You know, he was great in the spring. Seems to be fairly solid now. I don't think he's like an All-American, but I think he's solid, right? And I think there's a few other supporting pieces here. Nathan Lawler's pretty decent. Um, they've got a few young guys, but like, I, you know, I don't even see like uh, Kamari Miller, I think was the, the other name. The, one of their younger guys who's pretty solid. There's just like a lot of young dudes here that like they're still trying to prove themselves uh, mixed with like a, a few upper guys. It, it's a lineup that doesn't really have like a ton of like identity behind Henderson. So I'm still hesitant on here. That said, beating Butler, who seemed to be running mostly stacked, mm-hmm. is impressive. And I'll give them that credit. Yeah, I mean, they the depth really showed out. I mean, they had, I think, eight or nine guys in front of Butler's three. I, I think that should prove to be very important because I, I they're going to need at least two or three of those guys on the back end to really pop for my prediction of being a top 25 team to come true, but they have enough lottery tickets that I think that is definitely a possibility. So this result, are you at all concerned about Butler's postseason chances just based off of this result? Yes. I, I think there's no chance. Like I, 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 again, this is, that's an overreaction of itself, but I just, you, you can't get, beat like this by a fringe like ncaa team and expect to be able to qualify come november uh, so i disagree i don't think they're completely out of it um but i do, do think that this solidifies our ideas like hey listen this is there's a reason why we didn't rank them in our top 25 there are fundamental scoring structures and gaps that need to be filled right if one of these guys has a bad day it becomes very tricky um and you're like you, you look we can point to keen who was fifth overall but reality that didn't really make up a dramatic amount of points no you know it, it's it's more of like the jack mcmahon on the back end evan burns you know what a few of these other guys can do on the back end um so we'll see what happens i mean it's i'm, I'm not willing to say that they can't make it to the national meet yet because they have done pretty well recently uh when it comes to the postseason my overreaction from this race though is i think jesse hamlin can be a top 50 runner in our rankings wow by the end of the season i'll tell you why jesse hamlin has now run 338 in the 1500 meters for two consecutive outdoor track seasons mm-hmm. he also just ran 149 he, there are questions as to like what is his actual ceiling in terms of the long distance aerobic capacity well he ran 1355 back in the spring of 2021 focused more middle distance this past year but now finishes third in this race over uh over barry Keane. he's in the mix with a few of the other syracuse guys this could be the start of something that I think is fairly encouraging. Am I saying that he's going to be a guaranteed guy? Maybe not, but then what's a overreaction if I'm not saying guaranteed? But, but I do think there's like a, a thing where I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 50 guy by the end of the year. I, I think there's enough there, enough just flat out raw talent and enough of him doing it consistently to the point where I'm like, hey, listen, if, if, if he cracks it, he cracks it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rare to see those 1,500 specialists really crack that top 50. But, I mean, based off the way he started this season, I don't think that's an out- outrageous thing to say. We've seen the talent on the track, and if it can translate a little bit more to the grass and he continues to build on this performance, I, I don't think that's an unre- unreasonable statement. I, I agree. I agree. So let's move on to the next one. Which one did you want to do? 
Let's do the uh, Princeton-Yale-Harvard meet on the women's side. We saw Harvard beat Princeton. Uh, Maya Ramsden taking home the win. And then on the men's side, in a 6K, the Princeton men beat Harvard. Uh, you had Graham Blanks taking the win on that side. All right, let's start with the women here. I Again, I, I struggle to have a whole lot of reaction on this mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's really a whole lot to take from this. Um, I really like Princeton, though. Like, I know they lost to Harvard, but I think mm-hmm. Harvard has kind of established themselves historically as a better team. Harvard actually had, like, pretty nice depth. I mean, they what? They went 1-3-6-7-8, which, again, it's what's basically a dual meet. I know Yale was in this, but what's basically a dual meet at that point with uh, Princeton. I mean, I, I thought that was pretty solid. So Harvard there's at least enough options there I'm seeing where I'm like, okay, maybe they at least put it together and and maybe they get back to the top 25, but who knows Princeton though. Here's the thing. Fiona max is pretty good. Mm -hmm. She's a solid name. And so to have uh, Abigail loveys and uh, or Lavey's, excuse me, if I'm butchering that name and then Paige Lester all in that top five, again, I'm not saying that they're going to set the world on fire, but if you're Princeton and you're battling with West Virginia and Villanova for one of the two automatic qualifying spots in your mid-Atlantic region, you've got to be at least encouraged that like, Hey, at least there's like a nucleus and a core of like women that you can rally around. So I thought that was encouraging for Princeton. And I wish I could trust Tifer's um, year designation a little bit more because Princeton has like six or seven sophomores that are mm-hmm. all like right there. Um, and I, I think that bodes really well for them for the rest of the year and, and next year at least, um, to see what they can kind of continue to build on because they, they showed a lot more depth, I think, than, uh, Harvard did. They just didn't have that scoring potency on that fourth or fifth runner, just like Harvard did. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a whole lot to say from, from this, but, um, I, I thought it was encouraging from both sides. So I'll say that. On the men's side, um, it was a little bit of a surprise to see uh, the Princeton men uh, beat Harvard. But, I, I mean, it, it wasn't shocking the way they did it necessarily. You saw Graham Blanks and Acer Iverson go 1-3, and then Princeton just kind of load up right behind them. Um, and then Harvard really just struggled to find that fifth runner. Um but Princeton looks really strong. Looks like they have a lot of depth. Anthony Monte or Mont was second, um, beating Acer Iverson, which I thought was a really good run for him. I, I'm I'm feeling a little more bullish on Princeton than I did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, this is like I liked Princeton. This is why I kept saying, like, hey, I, I think this is a really underrated team, even though they were what in our just missed category. Yeah. So, I like Princeton a lot. Let's not forget, like, Harvard, as great as they were last year in the postseason at the national meet, like, they lost to Princeton at the Ivy League Championships. Like, when you go to, like, mano a mano, it's a closer matchup. And the depth has been a problem that we've highlighted for Harvard, you know, throughout the entire summer, specifically in their preseason ranking. I'll say this, though. If one thing changes, if one Princeton-Harvard runner flips, they're tied. Yeah. They're tied, and then... I have to wonder, okay, then what's the, what the tiebreaker is, is it, you know, depending on who flips where, then you can figure out, okay, well then that's the tiebreaker went to Harvard or Princeton, whoever it is, but they're tied. And I I think in a larger field, Harvard can literally only go so far back 
with Princeton, I think we still have to see if their firepower is still there. But Monty's great. Like, Monty's there. Cameron Fisher's still set to return. I don't even know if he actually ran in this race. I didn't even see him. But I think Farrell can do more. Um, I, I just like a lot of these guys. I I just think there's a lot of upside. So I, I like Princeton a lot from an upside perspective. And, and my second overreaction, not only are Princeton going to repeat at Heps and beat Harvard, but they're also going to beat them at NCAAs this year. Ooh, ooh okay. That's I, a- I am scared about Harvard's depth. Their fifth runner finishing 14th, if I'm reading that correctly, mm-hmm. in this race concerns me. But I'm also just high on Princeton. I, I, I think that Mont- Monte beating Iverson is a really good sign. Of course, this is over just 6K, so that's very different than the 8K, 10K they're going to be running and uh the rest of the season but i I think if he can be a legitimate not a legitimate low stick but like a a nice facsimile of one then i think he gives princeton a lot more scoring potency than i thought at the beginning of the season yeah and we should note that although that princeton did beat harvard if this comes down to a call loss situation this will not count because it's six thousand meters and you need to have at least seven thousand meters uh of the championship racing distance in order for that to be an eligible uh, race. So it won't impact, which is a little bit of a shame. If it was 8K, who knows if this is different? It might be, right? Like Harvard might be better suited for the long yeah. distances. Um, but I, I agree. I think Princeton's really good. I don't have any overreactions from this race, but um, fun fun race. You, know? you, you kind of get to learn a little bit. And listen, if, if Princeton brings back Cameron Fisher and he's as good as we think he is, yeah, I, I could see it. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the Michigan Big Ten preview on the women's side. Uh, we saw Michigan take home the win uh, pretty easily. Addie Angle of Ohio State took down uh, Michigan's Erica Vanderland, uh, Samantha Tran, uh, Daniela, San- Daniela Santos, and Caitlin Hart went 4-5-6, uh, and Kayla Mundemuller was third in that race. And then on the men's side, uh, Michigan again dominated over Michigan State. Uh, new Michigan Wolverine Arjun Jaw took home the win in his first race for the Blue and Mays. Let's go with the women. It This was a great validation of our preseason rankings. I can't take any credit for that. That was you and Mara. But this race was like, basically, if you put this on paper, it's exactly how it ended up going. Yeah, McCardle was a bit further back. Um, we had her, I think, 31. Um, so that was a little bit of like a, ooh. Mm-hmm. But this is actually where my other hot take comes in, my other overreaction um, of this season. I think Northwestern's going to be a national qualifying team. Ooh. So we had them as honorable mentions, and that was before they brought in Ari Marks, the multi, multi-time uh, track champion at the Division Three level who's run phenomenal times, has had a massive breakout year, has beaten one of the single greatest D3 uh, standouts in ever in Cassie Parker earlier this year. And uh, I think she was like, what, third-ish maybe at the D2 National Championships or D3 National Championships last fall, maybe second. Um, I forget specifically. I think it was second. But she's really good. And so for her to kind of stick into that lineup and kind of join that, well, I think there was that, uh, let me take a look here. Yeah, that second scoring spot, I think she can be significantly better. I think McArdle can be better. I don't think the depth was that much worse than what Ohio State – in fact, their depth was better than what Ohio State had. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just like it overall. I think if you think Ohio State's a fringe national qualifying team, then I think Northwestern can as well. And I also think it might be easier for Northwestern to get out of 
their region this year because you have Oklahoma State, and then who else do you have? Maybe Illinois, maybe Iowa State, but I don't know if I trust those teams that that you're like this year. If there's ever a year for Northwestern to take advantage of the Midwest region, this is the year I think at Alliance I could see the overreaction being Northwestern to the National League. I like it because, I mean, they're only 13 points behind Ohio State. Um, and Ohio State went one and five in this race, um, whereas Northwestern were eight and ten for their first two scores. So that's the difference right there. Um, and then they basically beat them three through five. Um, and, and I think that depth is going to pay off if you can see their top runners and uh, McArdle and Marks move up a little bit more. Then you, they're right there with a team like Ohio State. And like you said, if they're with the Buckeyes, there's no reason why they can't be right on the bubble for the NCAA picture. I think Northwestern beats Ohio State um, at the at Big, Big Ten Tens. Championships. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I yes. So it, the, Big, the Big Ten, though, this year isn't going to be quite as daunting as it was last year, right? Um, y- yes. It depends on how you feel about certain teams, but on paper, it's, it would not be. Michigan State's going to have a down year. Minnesota's going to be have a down year. Right. Um, Illinois will be all right. Illinois will probably, you know, have a down. Indiana's still not going to have Billy Hurdenstein like they didn't have her last year. So relatively speaking, yes, but there is a lot of opportunity, not just for Northwestern to have a great Midwest region, uh, regional performance, but also like, hey, maybe get some success at the Big Ten Championships where they could really get some back-end Colas points. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Getting some points at your conference meet would be huge, and that, that might be what pushes them over the edge. Um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing them race over 6K – um, obviously this is the, the conference preview. You, you really got a sense uh, of exactly how close these two teams are. And I mean, a few runners run a little differently and the, this, uh, script gets flipped. So I definitely could see them beating Ohio state in a few months. Yeah. I just want to also shout out to, uh, Mara and myself. I'm going to give myself a pat on the bat. Um, I mean, Addy, the Addy angle ranking feels so great right now. It was such. A, I mean, listen. She only barely got Vanderland, yeah. but it was it was a great. I was like, yes, like I'm we're telling you, like she can beat these women. She's really good. So I'm very happy about that ranking um, that we did this summer. When I looked at the results, I was like, where did it? Where did they put that? I was like, surely they like this is a little bit of an upset. And then I looked at the rankings, like, nope, they called it exactly right. Yeah. There uh, go. On the men's side, I don't. I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. Um, Michigan looked solid. Um, I. I don't. I'm not overwhelmed with optimism after this race, um, but I, I think it's a solid start. Yeah, I think if you're Michigan State, you actually come away a little bit encouraged. I don't think they ran a lot of their top guys, um, or if they did, their top guys just simply didn't run well, like maybe Petruno. But I think there's like a, lot, a few names here where I'm like, I don't, I don't think I think they're missing a few names. So, like, Carly Simfel also was running unattached. I don't know what that means for his season. I think that maybe – maybe he, I, I don't know what that means. Maybe he's redshirting. I don't know if he's already coming back. I have no idea. But if he comes into the lineup, that's a bit different. Um, so, uh, no time to panic for Michigan State is all I'm saying. But it was also nice to see Michigan State have uh, Ahmed uh, – uh, I'm sorry, is it Abdi Feta Ahmed? I'm sorry if I just – butchered that name but it was it was encouraging i thought yeah i I think for michigan state you you just kind of like you said just move on to the next race when you see everybody at full potential everybody racing um and and for michigan 
I, I just want to see Michigan in a bigger race and mm-hmm. to get a sense of, I, I, I think we know what to expect from Ja, but at like the guys like Raymond, Foster, Stewart, I, I want to see where they're at in a little bit of a bigger field. I think we'll learn a lot about them really quickly um, because we had them ranked number 21 and, and this race certainly doesn't make me feel inclined to move them up. Um, so I, I, I would certainly want to see more out of their next race. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a race where even Michigan State wasn't at their best, and yet they still finished second. So right. I, I'm not really – I don't think you can really pull anything legitimate from this race. I think if, if you're Michigan State, you're like, cool, we've got a few guys who are maybe unexpected varsity runners. We'll see what the actual lineup looks like. But, um, yeah, we'll see. All right, let's move on to the Mizzou XC opener on the women's side. Iowa State, dominant. Uh, Dana Fan, Madeline Hill, and Jeanette Schreft went one, two, three on the men's side. Similar picture with Ohio State taking home, or Iowa State taking home the win, and Ezekiel Rob uh, winning the individual race. Um, I big picture uh, on the women's side. I think this was as good of a start as you could have asked for from Iowa State after losing all that they did. Um, but again, I don't think this tells us nearly as much as some other races have. Yeah. Um... You know, you, you look at their top three and look at the times. Like, Fayon was 17-24 over 5K. Hills, 26. Schraff, 43. Aaron O'Brien of Oklahoma, who's apparently a freshman, according to Tiefers, 17-55. And then all the way from 5-6-7, you have Kiki O'Connell, Brenna Cahoon, and um, Taylor Briggs. They're 18 flat, 18-01, 18-09. I mean, it's clear that there's a gap there, right? I mean, there's a clear that there's going to be, in a larger field, a, a gap. And, you know... I don't know how good the Faye and Hill Schraff combo is going to be yeah. um, in some of these larger meets. So I think th- these are why, like, you know, Iowa State relied heavily on, you know, the Tut and the Logue combo there, along with Windrose Chessang. So there's a lot lost from last year's in terms of their scoring influence and weight. Um, I-, I think we just have to wait and see, you know, what this team is going to look like in a larger field because that the bottom two scores is what's really going to determine what this team looks like. Yeah. I mean, I do like that. They seem to pack up pretty well. Um, I mean that five, six, seven, all within nine seconds of each other for Iowa state. I, I like that. And I think that bodes well for maybe some pack running strategies where even though they're not getting a, a solid low stick, they can at least put a bunch of people in a, a decent scoring spot. But again, like you said, it, we're going to have to see that play out in a bigger field against better competition. Yeah. And I just, I'll give Kiki Connell credit where credit's due. You know, she's a transfer from, I want to say like Northern Iowa. And I, you know, when I, when we reported it, I didn't think much about it. I didn't think she was going to be like a varsity runner, a varsity contributor, certainly not this year. And uh, it looks like that's the case. So, can, you know, kudos to her. She does deserve credit. It's just a matter of what does that actually look like in a race that, you know, actually matters for more points and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, on the men's side, um, Rob taking home the win, I think w- that was a good sign. He's someone who is supremely talented when he's running at his best. We saw him at Eastern Kentucky a few years ago, um, mixing up with some of the best in the country. If he's at 100% and fully fit, he's going to be certainly an All-American candidate. So it was good to see him to start off the season well. Um, and then Iowa State, all the guys that you kind of expected um, to be in that picture were right there. G- uh, Gabriel Sapierta, Chad Johnson. Did did 
maybe I missed this, but did I, did we report that both Winders were at uh, Iowa State? I, I knew we had talked about Titus, but... I don't remember. <laughs> I just don't. There's so many names. So, I mean, Silas Winders being there and finishing right right behind his brother, I, I think that's a, that's a good sign, and he gives them another uh, depth piece, which I think is huge. Yeah, Nehemiah, too, in there as well. I... I I'm a little more bullish on Iowa State after seeing them all run, I mean, against really nobody, but at least put down a solid uh, first marker. Well, the Silas Winters piece is a nice addition. Um, admittedly, he wasn't all that exciting, though, at the D2 level with Southern uh, Indiana, which is fine, but he's also, like, supremely talented, right? He's a guy who, um, if I if I remember correctly, actually, you guys recruited him, right? Oh yeah, we, well, we, Belmont recruited uh, the oldest brother, Javen Winters. We felt uh, decent about him and i felt like if we could have gotten him we could have gotten the next two because they all ended up going to southern indiana um but yeah i mean all really good in high school i mean silas was amazing in high school mm-hmm. like he was, he was he was the best of all of them in high school so um if he can get back on that track there's no reason why he can't be running with titus yeah i mean and, and so far so good i mean it's an encouraging sign right because like it, all iowa state needs is they need like one all-american and enough guys just to be close behind that All-American. And if one of those guys falls off, it's tricky, but they should maybe have enough depth to at least counter that. So, Yep, I agree. All right, anything on this race uh, more? That's all I got. All right, let's wrap it up with the Cowboy preview. On the women's side, we saw Taylor Ewart win the women's 3K. Side note, uh, how many... I, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea why they did that. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. Well, I was going to ask, like, have you seen this before? Like, I no. have never... I, have, <laughs> no. I haven't I have even... This is a brand new experience seeing 3K. Like, even on the high school level, like, you don't see 3Ks. That's a good... Uh, yeah, I, I've seen 3200s, actually. Well, yeah, you've seen 32... Exactly, you've seen 3200s, but 3K is just a, a weird yeah, it's an odd one. Distance. I don't get that. Uh, but anyway, I mean, you were taking home the win. Good to see her healthy and running well. I, I think she could be an X factor for Arkansas if she, she's back to full fitness. Um, but elsewhere, there there truthfully isn't a whole lot in there. Um, I, I don't think Julia Patternane had her, had her best race for Arkansas, but good to see her back in the mix. Um, I really don't have a whole lot. Taylor Summers not, not having her best race for Oklahoma State, which is a little worrying. Um, but not not a whole lot of a whole lot of things that really sway your opinion on these teams or individuals. No, but I do think the fact that like certain women are running, like Somers, is important, right? Like Somers at her best is a top twenty All American. Like not just me speculating, yeah. she is he a was. top twenty. <laughs> he was like she was a top twenty All American. I don't know what's kind of been going on. Um, I, I'm rooting for her hard because she's so talented and also like. If she ever gets back to that point this season, they're going to be so good. They're so good. Like, I think you, they could legitimately challenge NC State for that in that case. I, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but just nice to know that she's there. And yep. sometimes if you're just healthy and you're just getting on track and you build momentum, special things happen. But Taylor, you were huge. That's a huge development. Arkansas is like, just has to piece together enough of their lineup. And look, did Ewart have to blow out the field? No. But the fact that she did win it, not by a lot, but the fact that she did win it, she looks like a viable varsity name once again. It's all encouraging. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, just to see these women who have we haven't seen uh, on the college scene for a little while, at least back in the mix, and at least give them some starting point for the rest of their season I, it is encouraging. You just hope that they continue to progress well uh, and stay healthy. On the men's side, um, some interesting names throughout this this race and this 5K. You had Alex Stitt take home the win for Oklahoma State. Um, Eric Casares, who I, I feel like has been at A and M mm-hmm. forever, and they have him yep. listed as a junior in Tifers, which is just unbelievable. I, I mean, he's always been a very solid name. Um, Elias Schrimmel for Arkansas finishing third. You you look through this this uh top ten, and it's like a bunch of guys for their respective team who could be six or seven uh runners at the end of the season. So you don't want to write it off necessarily, but I I struggle to see a lot of these guys making huge impacts for their teams at the end of the season. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting because I think with Tulsa, that's the team I'm looking at here. Not the best day. If you're Tulsa, Um, their top guy was multi-prop in seventh place, Ryan Schumacher in 11th. And they had a few guys back there, but like a lot of these guys who we had mentioned are guys who we thought could fill in that fifth, sixth, seventh spot. And I don't know if I love results like this for a team that's ranked in our top 10 and that is supposed to be filling in the back end of their lineup. That said, and there's one or two names who they didn't run from that back end consideration, um, which is important to note. And there's also like a few like overseas recruits, like one from Germany, one from the UK. I don't think they raced either. I could be wrong. So it, it you know, there's still pieces there, but I, I thought we would see a little bit more from these guys who were running. Um, but, you know, like you said, um, the Arkansas guys, Oklahoma State guys, these are guys going to be contending for the final varsity spots uh, in their respective lineups. Not really sure totally like what to expect from a lot of these groups like moving forward. Like Stitt, he, he won the race, but he's more of a miler. I question what happens when they move like, to 10K, uh, 10K. Muirhead's more of a steeplechaser. Maybe that translates better. I don't know, but... Um, we'll see. I don't know if you can really pull a whole lot out of this though. I, I think it's kind of hard to really like pinpoint one thing and just say, Oh, this is different for this reason. Yeah. I mean, I, the only team that I really love this result for, and I, I love is probably a strong word, but it is Oklahoma state. I think they at least showed some options for that maybe sixth or seventh, uh, runner on their varsity lineup. And, and it looks like they have decent enough depth to sustain an injury or two. Um, and and ho- they, they can hope that one of these guys kind of uh, really improves throughout the season as a, a more of a viable scoring option. Um, but overall, I, I wasn't blown away by these results. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's an early season meet. We're not going to try to uh, pull anything crazy away. But um, I don't know. Because here's the thing. I tried to find an overreaction from this race. I couldn't. It was, was, like, it was tough. Yeah. So. Um. But that's it. And frankly, honestly, I think given the resources that we have for results, this was pretty good. Not too bad. So um, not bad on our end. Good job, Ben. Unless you have any other hot takes that you want to give. No, I, I got them all off early. Um, I, I'm just excited to see uh, results again. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't analyzed cross-country results in two years. and Or maybe like a year and a half, I guess, because yeah. of the winter season. Oh yeah, the winter season. That's right. Yeah, that eh, yeah, it's a weird season. But it's okay. it's been a long time, and so to get back into it, start seeing how our preseason predictions are landing a little bit. I it's always a fun part of the season before we really get going once October hits. 
Well, so far, so good. Uh, we're looking good. And if you're uh, a listener, uh, feel free to check out all the content on our site. Uh, if you're listening to this now, D2, D3 team rankings are getting wrapped up. Uh, if you are wondering why I sound exhausted, that is why. Um, and we've also uh, got more content on the way. Um, once we wrap up the D2, D3 stuff, I think I'm going to take a day off at some point. Who knows? Um, but then we'll slowly react to some of the other results that are coming in. I think there's something like Dellinger might happen soon that we have to react to. Maybe we'll preview it. At the very least, I'll give you some kind of like podcast audio to listen to uh, on that as I'm traveling for that the next two weeks. I see Ben next week. Uh, which is yes. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I so can't wait I, for that. Yeah. We get to talk track in person. Um, no, I'm, I think it's the last thing we'll talk about. But Ben, that's all I got. Shout out to BioSteel. Use code TSR30 at checkout. That's all I got. All right. Well, until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.